Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Let's hit it! And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and today we have a wonderful show. We're going to be talking with the founder of Lorenzo's House. We're going to be talking about a youth camp that they're doing this summer, um, June 21st. So really exciting times. But before I introduce you to our guest, I want to just acknowledge that our opening song was done by the Mark Arneson Band. It's called Clarion Call, and if you like it, you can download it on any of your favorite music platforms. Here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, we are about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real talk uh, with real people about what is going on in this space. So I want to also uh, share with you just a, a couple of companies that I think are just doing wonderful work. One is the Memory Cafe directory. We're starting to see some of those open back up. There is also Coral Health, who is still allowing people to download to of their music apps free during COVID. I think that's going to be running out soon. And I also want to give a shout out to the Footbar Walker. Uh, this walker was made by two friends for two friends, and it is incredible. It helps reduce falls and injuries for both the person using the walker and the care partner helping them. And then I also want to give a shout out to Dementia Map. We are growing. Um, it is exciting to see. So go check out DementiaMap.com. Plus, uh, we just got nominated by UK Radio um, for one of their awards. And we would love for you to go to their site and vote for us uh, as far as uh, Dementia Map goes. That would be quite the honor to receive that from overseas. Want to remind you also that Mods Ventures is, uh, you can still make an application, but you know that's going to be running out the end of the month and they are doing seed funding for um, 50 to 100,000 for three different challenges. Okay, so let me introduce you to our guest today. I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be informative, and it, it's gonna be different in terms of what they are trying to do and accomplish. So I'd like to introduce you to Diana Coase, is a wife, a mom, a care partner, and an entrepreneur. Her husband was diagnosed with young onset Alzheimer's. And boy, talk about turning your world upside down when you've 
got a young family and so forth. So Diana envisioned this place where she could build community and really bring light to families living with dementia. It's such a heavy topic and disease and so many families struggle. So she left Perspectives, which was a Chicago uh, charter school to launch this new venture called Lorenzo's House. And we're gonna learn more about that um, in just a minute. We also have with us Tessa Garcia McQuinn and she is a licensed social worker for the Memory Center and the outpatient neurological clinics at the U Chicago Medicine uh, Center. Their mission there is to help those with cognitive impairment and memory loss to feel seen and heard by teaching others how to listen first with compassionate care. Well, I'm so excited to have you two gals with us here today. Um, uh, the initiative, you know, with Lorenzo's house, I think is just a, an amazing, amazing feat that you have. And um, I can't wait to share more details uh, with our audience here. But before we get started, I always like to ask our guests how they've been touched by dementia. Now, needless to say, Diana, with you, I already mentioned you know, your husband, Lorenzo, has early onset um, Alzheimer's disease. But can you tell our audience briefly, like when you saw the journey start, maybe even before diagnosis, what were some of the symptoms? That's always helpful for our audience because we have a lot of people that are listening that are going, mm, I wonder if something's going on here. Right, right, sure. Um, so I guess my husband has always been kind of uh, okay with himself, kind of a humble quiet, peaceful guy. And I witnessed him slowly losing some confidence. And I don't even know if I could have, you know, sort of described it that way then. But he seemed more confused or repeating himself, um, unable to have, you know, deeper conversations, uh, like limited that way. Um, and uh, I also noticed then that there was pretty early on these uncharacteristic um, spending you know, like on Amazon, he's just a conservative guy and always the one that says we don't need to spend. Um, so those were early symptoms, early, early symptoms that never would have led me to think that he had younger onset Alzheimer's. Great. Thank you. Tessa, I want to ask you, you know, have you been personally touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends? Yes, it's a huge part of how I am even in this role. Um, you know, when I first met Dr. Mastriani, who's the director of the Memory Center here at UChicago Medicine about five years ago, I was telling him all about my family's journey with Alzheimer's. So my grandmother was diagnosed and, you know, we don't know what we don't know at the time, right? And so we did not know how to handle the unexpected the kind of words that come out that are repeated or curveball unexpected words that are probably not so accurate, right? And, you know, we didn't know what to do when she got lost. And, um, you know, she's a travel agent by trade and would buy plane tickets and hop in a cab and get ready to leave the country. And we're like, hold on, you know? So um, yes, absolutely. Like walking alongside um, families now, I look back and like wow, I wish I we, I wish we knew more. So yes, it's definitely been a part of our of uh, a personal journey of ours too. Thanks for sharing that, um, Diana. I'm going to start out with you because it's always nice to know what the heck led you to this vision of Lorenzo's house. Mm -hmm. Right. So in 2017, Lorenzo, Larry, my husband, the 
was was diagnosed and I got lucky with love. I met him actually the night I moved to Chicago in 1989. So over 30 years, um, we've really been together and 30 years later, we have two sons um, and this sort of diagnosis of the family. And it, what's interesting about this diagnosis and this disease from my perspective is that, you know, we all have these identities as women, as people, um, different slices of who we are, but suddenly Alzheimer's enters your identity sphere and it sort of like almost takes you over both how people see you sometimes, or at least your, it's your perception. And that it is, is, is Alzheimer's, uh, it's almost like it's going to happen to you versus you have any control in this because it is so dark and it is, there's so much suffering um, and there's so much isolation. Uh, and I thought, my goodness, how can I be a part of shifting the narrative um, and maybe doing something in this space that is going to sustain my sons and myself in this journey, support my husband, and if at all possible, maybe help others in my similar space. Because at the end of the day, helping others are doing and filling a gap and an access and an equity gap is something that I've lived my life doing. So when this diagnosis happens, you know, everyone has their sort of journey of coming to terms with it and mine was long, but um, as I was um, sort of navigating this and making meaning of it, like, how do I make meaning of this? How does this not just sacrifice my husband and so many others, but is there a spot for me to maybe make a difference? I uh, spent time um, sort of doing a due diligence phase with some smart people in this space and asked myself, and asked others and made dozens of calls and research for four and a half to six, four to six months and realized that there is this care and connection gap in this space. This is not my expertise. I am a mom and I am a wife who is a caregiver. Um, and that is what I know in these four years. So when I think about what led me to Lorenzo's house is some of the gaps I was feeling, that sense of isolation. Who do my boys get to connect with? Um, who also are walking this similar path. Um, and it's just hard, especially in the younger onset space. Um, it's just really, really hard to find those places that you can belong and feel like you belong. And so I envisioned a place, I imagined a place where maybe it would be a solution to the isolation, right? And it would be a place where young people and their young people could come together who have a parent who's experiencing alls and then also a place where caregivers, wives, spouses, husbands like myself could come have respite and connect. And then also this idea where we could have innovative care, day care for our loved one who's experiencing Alzheimer's, which again was a gap that I was struggling with. And Diana, why don't you tell us about the four rays that you see within Lorenzo's house and, mm -hmm. and how you came up with those as, as well too. When I think about the vision of Lorenzo's house, um, there are four components. We call them our four rays. By the way, this is our new Lorenzo's t-shirt that just came in today. First one to be wearing it. And our four rays, one is our, um, our Memory Academy, which is a daycare for adults with Alzheimer's or other dementias. And this is an innovative um, sort of um, you know, I had an experience or probably um, two different summers now where I visited different day care opportunities for my husband. And while there are good people everywhere, it just was not the place for my husband. Um, it wasn't generationally appropriate and it just wasn't a fit for him. 
And I needed to work and I needed to raise these two boys. And I didn't know what to do with my guy during the day. And he wasn't ready to have a caregiver necessarily. Um, but where could we go? Maybe two days a week, he was engaged and having an experience that was innovative and a place where he felt he belonged. So one of our components is our Memory Academy, this innovative day program that we will build out with experts in this space. The second, um, Ray, and not in any order, is our youth initiatives. We're starting with this youth camp that I'm going to be talking about in just a minute, but it's about giving our kids a voice and being present for our kids who, and I say this often, it's like I look at Lucas and Justin, um, not only are they caregivers to their father, but they have a, they have a, they have a double, they have double courage and strength and stamina and love in that they are there for their dad, and then they are also there for their mom. They've got an eye on mom. So I, you know, I signed up to be a mom and to figure out, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here with you and I'm, I'm, I'm a mom. That's what I do. But I don't think we think sometimes about our young caregivers. They're actually kind of caregiving for both parents. So the youth piece mattered so much, and it's a huge part of my history. And I have two boys. So that was the other piece. The other um, component is what we call our respite healing spaces. And these are opportunities for um, families to come and experience an hour, two hours of quiet respite space. Um, and there's a, everything from yoga to financial wellness classes to um, weekend away, um, friendly tours, friendly memory tours that we're, that we're building out. So, that's the respite spaces. And then the last ray is what we're calling our care angels. And our care angels is, um, is unique, but it's also rooted in an existing model called Immerman Angels. Johnny Immerman um, here in Chicago is uh, probably 20 years ago now, maybe 17 years ago now, founded Immerman Angels where he had survived cancer and he founded a concept where he connected a cancer fighter to a cancer survivor of the same sort of profile and they became um, mentors. One became a mentor to the other. Similarly, we're taking that model and Johnny is on our board of directors at Lorenzo's house and we're taking that model and we're building it out in the, in the, in the caregiver space, connecting a caregiver who's in my same space um, and building out a profile of someone who is a single mom working, a couple kids who are teens, and we can be each other's angels on this journey. Because while we have in many cases, families and friends who are supporting us, and that is not the case in so many other stories as well, or we might have good doctors, rarely do we have someone who is sort of walking the same journey with us and we're able to share uh, care strategies and really understand this lifestyle um, because nobody can really understand it unless you're, you're living it. So that's the care angel piece. So the Memory Academy, the youth initiatives, the respite healing spaces and our care angels. Wonderful. I have a question on your respite caring spaces. Is that for the people with dementia or is that for the care partners or that, both? That's well, at this time, and again, you know, when I look at Lorenzo's house, I really see that it's going to be evolved and built by founding families. Just like good schools, the ideas that are generated are what do we need as a community? Everybody who I meet in this space, you become like an instant sibling and an instant sister or brother because we get each other like within a minute. So when I think about those respite spaces today, I think that this house, this space, this facility one day, right? We're gonna be doing some virtual. We're only five months old, so we're, we're a pup. But the idea is that we will have a facility, a space, a house where on one side, it's this engaging academy museum space where our loved ones are learning, right? Not just dignified, 
not just having a day of engagement, but they are learners. Like we are still learning and growing. And that is what my Lorenzo would want. And that's what I'm sure everyone's Lorenzo would want. And on the other side of the house, there is a place where when you drop off your Lorenzo, well, you can then go over on the other side of the house and it's like a spa or it's a place that is just peaceful and well, because a lot of times we don't want to go too far. Um, we just don't. I know I don't. I know that with my caregiver, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be 10 minutes away. I'm, it's just not, we don't have that luxury. Um, so that's the current idea. Um, and then the other idea is that there'll be opportunities for respite where we could have sponsors where some you know, women and men have a two-day getaway and it's sponsored by companies or families or other people because uh, everybody's story is different and everyone's needs are different. Um, but it's really about building a community of people who are supporting each other and filling um, this gap by connecting and feeling like we belong because there is something so unique about this diagnosis, at least it's new for me and maybe it's the silver lining in all of this, um, if that's cliche or whatever, but there are so many good kind people in this space who are drawn to the care, the memory, those who are drawn to the memory care space, I'm astounded at the love I feel on a weekly basis on Zooms. Um, it's amazing. And then when I have this opportunity now to connect with other moms like me, uh, or a father who's experiencing, you know, or a spouse who's a, a male experiencing this as a wife, there's this, there's this siblings where we become siblings immediately. And suddenly we don't feel alone. Suddenly we don't feel alone. And it's, I don't know if that's somehow healing or it sustains you for a little bit. Um, but uh, it, 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 it gives me, um, it gives me a sense of, uh, Lorenzo's house can be a um, can be like a haven where folks heal and rest and laugh and joy. There's got to be joy. Our tagline is "We bring light." You guys, I'm, I don't do well in dark spaces. Like I'm, a, I'm an optimist. And yes, I get taken down on a daily with this disease. It is so hard. And our metaphor in our family is like we're in the ring. You know, we are in the ring, and sometimes you fall down, but you got to get up on those ropes. And some days you don't even want to pull over the ropes. You know, you just don't. But if you are knowing that other people, you know, are out there and they're just such walking such a similar path, you know, there's got to be um, there's got to be a place for us to connect. And, uh, you know, Lorenzo's house um, is one solution. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what you're talking about is that that instant connection. Uh, so many people don't understand it, but it happens over and over and over through the memory cafes. I mean, they say that is their lifeline. So I think it's a journey long. And even afterwards, they still stay connected. You know, if if Lorenzo's house allows that, I mean, that's what I do, like with my memory cafe, I'm not going to kick anyone to the curb, because they all have values. And these friendships run so deep. And everybody has a story to share. And, and that's the brilliance is, is giving that safe space for people to really tell their true stories uh, because they help so many people. And no matter how little you think you know, you know more than somebody else. And people then find that in the group of, well, I can be an advocate and this isn't all for nothing. I can help the next person on this journey. And it just, uh, it, it changes, it just changes the journey. Uh, yeah. Totally. And it it um, it shifts it from that mode of fear to really one of hope. And it takes a lot of the scary out and it gets people to realize that they're not failing. 
you know, because a lot of times people think, oh, I didn't do it right. I can't do this. And it's just like, nobody can do it right 24-7. You didn't do it right 24-7 before dementia entered your family. So <laughs> why put that expectation on yourself now? But but that's something that we all do. Yeah. Um, and then with the the care angels, I love that the mentors for other, other uh, care partners, I've seen that work really good with dementia mentors where they mentor one another. And, you know, to see people come in as a mentee and then turn into a mentor, I, I, there's just nothing like it. Just absolutely nothing like it. Um, how do you think your career, you know, your background, your skill sets, your experience and stuff will, will help you in the development of Lorenzo's house? I'm 55 this summer, you know, on the back nine of life, I guess is what they could say. And, you know, at this age, you kind of have a few skill sets. You want to kind of stay there. And um, I have had the privilege of uh, being in urban education for the past 30 years. And I founded with a colleague, Kim Day, a um, network of public charter schools in the south side of Chicago. So I've been in urban education on the south and west side of Chicago. And we started uh, at 51st and King Drive with 40 students and two teachers. And uh, today, we are now 2,000 students and about 250 staff and uh, five campuses. This work um, has been um, just a big blessing and a gift in my life. It has shaped me more than I've shaped it. It has been my purpose and my work is trying to bring equity to classrooms in underserved communities to kids, to kids who need and deserve so much more. And so I've had the chance to both be an educator and then a school leader. And I've had the chance to do community organizing, a lot of program development, and um, I've learned to fundraise. Um, and I think fundraising is about really believing in your cause and, um, and then uh, being able to back it with strategy and um, the ability to lead and gather really smart, good, good people, humble, smart people is what I'm looking for, humble first. Um, and so I think that my history um, of being an entrepreneur in this space, you know, I, I started Perspectives because I really thought that we could do more and better in, in education. Um, and today we're, we're doing some really special things in, in all those campuses. Uh, so I think that that background and those skill sets will help me as I build out Lorenzo's house. That makes perfect sense. I mean, wow, what a growth, you know, that that you've seen in there. Um, I want to talk to you because you, you've only, you know, you've only launched like five months ago. So, <laughs> you know, from then to today, you know, what's the growth been look like? Uh, right. What's the growth look like um, in that space? So in the last five months, what have we done? We dropped our 501c3, so we will be a non-for-profit, a social impact organization. That is the path and the route that I think is really important for Lorenzo's house. Um, I've had the privilege of gathering a beautiful, bright group of experts who are humble and thoughtful um, as our board of directors. And we have created our logo on our website, which has been a labor of love to try to get the language right and get the feeling right. So when people go and they land and learn at our website, it's a visual that makes them think, gosh, I want to be here. I want to know more. And I'm really feeling good about that. So many smart people helped with that. Um, we built out our strategic plan. And then the one really important piece that I really wanted to do in the first six months is build out one program 
one single quality program um, where we gathered smart, thoughtful partners. And that is what we did with Lorenzo's Youth Camp. So Lorenzo's Youth Camp will be on the 21st of this month. It is June. And, um, and that has kind of been the last five, six months. That's, that's what we'll that's what we'll do. And we'll get into like what Lorenzo's Youth Camp is, but that's what we've done in five or six months thus far. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's nice to have those. I mean, just getting the nonprofit done is a feat in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, that was so, and it, that was a pro bono by a pro bono opportunity with Lauren Weil and his team at Holland and Knight. I, I've been so fortunate to have that, you know, people get, people care and they like an idea and people want to give, people want to get involved. And, um, Lauren and his team have been so gracious. And, and the other piece that really matters here too is just like the founding story of Lorenzo's house is we are where we are because of an organization called CMSS. Bill Lowe is the CEO at CMSS and Bill helped in that due diligence phase that I was talking about earlier. Bill and I connected over a year ago and Bill said, oh, Diana, the concept of Lorenzo's house. I said, Bill, I don't know this space. These are just ideas I have as a mom, as a, as a you know, as a caregiver to my, my guy. And, and, and he said, let's make this happen. And he's turning CMSS, Chicago Methodist Senior Services. It's been around for over a hundred years up here in North Chicago, in Chicago, in Andersonville. And his vision is to turn it into a memory care center of excellence and Lorenzo's house would be an affiliate, is an affiliate to that. So CMSS has been like my fiscal agent in these last, since January. I, I left Perspectives um, January 1. So Bill's and his team at CMSS have been like the tree to my nest and they're just really good, good people. Sweet. Talk about uh, manifesting and pulling in wonderful people all around you. That's, that's a wonderful. Let's talk about strategic partners, you know, and, and definitely they are one. Um, are there, are there others that are helping you navigate, you know, your camp and your vision? Right, right. So, you know, maybe the, the, the best way to jump off here is to talk about the partners. So in building out this initial sort of set of partners, I guess one other piece that, that is really cool that I think we're doing is um, we have, some, have an IMSA board and innovation medical science. It's not a board. No, that's not how I get anyone to say yes to this. It's not a board. It's an advisor. It's a list of advisors who we can lean on. And they're really thoughtful folks from neurologists to memory care specialists across the country. And that IMSA board, uh, again, Innovation Medical Science Board, they're on our website, but those folks have been a call away for me. And then when I went and said, okay, let's build out. And again, it's kind of been me. I just hired um, Bree, who's a Loyola intern, uh, she was my Loyola intern and she started about two weeks ago as our first sort of part-time staffer and she's terrific. The two of us have been navigating this and then building out relations with Tessa and University of Chicago, with the Youth Movement Against Alzheimer's, with Rush University and Laughter on Call and HFC. So we thought, okay, how do we build out something special in this youth camp, how do, what, is, what do we want this camp to look like? And then we started to go after some of these really special partners. So it's kind of through that frame that I started to build partnerships. Um, and I guess I could start by saying when Lucas, um, a year ago, Lucas, who's our 15 year old, just turned 16 actually, in COVID last 
summer as I was thinking about, does Lorenzo's house make sense, guys? Should I leap? Does this make sense? I'm talking to the, the, our boys and, my, and my, my husband. And Lucas said then, well, mom, if we're going to do this, Lorenzo's house, an extension of it has to be a camp, you know, because I want his languages. And this morning I asked him again, I said, can you tell me why again you wanted to do this? Just give me your language um, because he's taking an exam, by the way. He is in the middle of math, so let's cross our fingers. Um, he um, he said, "Mom, I wanted." It was so beautiful. He said, "Mom, I'm I wanted this camp so that I can know people that I can empathize with, right? That I can that I know that I'm not alone, but I can empathize with, like people who really get it. And that's and that that there's this um, and that maybe we can stay together. This idea of like it's not just a, a hit and miss. Like no, like we can now be kind of warriors together so that in mind um come late come january uh i asked lucas if we're going to put this camp together you know and build out some really special partnerships what do you want students to feel students what do you want campers to feel when they leave this camp like what do we what do we want here you tell me what you want this for it's for kids and his, you know, he's a 15-year-old boy, so a man of few words, right? But a thoughtful guy when you can get him to stop and think, and he's such an old soul. And he said, I think it would be great, Mom, if kids like me felt, and he used these three beautiful words, which are the words we're using today, which are united, heard, and inspired. He said, I'd like people to feel like united and then maybe heard and then inspired. And I leapt off the couch and I wrote those three words down and they've been driving this camp ever since. Well, and just the, really your whole mission. I mean, it really is about uniting and letting people be heard and inspiring one another. Um, you know, I used to go into the schools and speak. And one of the things that shocked me was how many kids were dealing with this. And yet there was no outlet in the schools for them. You know, there's groups for everything else. Um, and, and some of them wanted to start and did start having um, support groups within their schools for this, but it was shocking. And I think one of the beautiful things about involving the kids is they're not left hanging on why, why has the family dynamics changed? because a lot of them think they did something wrong because everything has changed. All the priorities for the family has changed. Parents are stretched, um, you know, I mean, it's just everything. And for them to be able to hear what's actually going on and they have such beautiful creative ideas yeah. in how to help, stuff that doesn't even go through our heads. Right, you know? right. And they're tech savvy and, and they're fearless. You know, they really wanna make a difference and I, you know, I just think it's it's a wonderful thing to to have this camp and to, you know, their their group isn't going to be any different than your care angels. They are going to feel powerful together, you know, yeah. and not alone. And even for him to use the word, you know, empathy from a teenager, it's kind of like, well, where'd that come from, you know? <laughs> but, but, you know, really understanding the journey of needing to feel safe and understood yeah and is is just really really quite beautiful well i'm going to go to um tessa so you've been you know working with dr mastriani 
and families living with Alzheimer's disease and, and other types of, of dementias at the Memory Center at the U Chicago um, Medicine Center. And are you seeing the need for something like Lorenzo's house? So absolutely, you know, working with, when I arrived five years ago, one of the first things that Dr. Mastriani had mentioned, uh, because he works with a lot of the rare conditions, and these one of the rare conditions is younger onset Alzheimer's, is that he said, we need something for this population. I am getting so many families that are experiencing this. And um, in my experience too, because I work with the families from diagnosis onward, and um, you know, they were talking about how we need these, really echoing what Diana was saying. We need, suddenly we're in a tough spot upon diagnosis, right? We're a tough spot in life. We feel like the rug has been pulled out from under us. This is not our plan. This is not part of our retirement vision, right? Um, I still need to, let's say I'm a partner. I still need to work full time. I'm still parenting and raising children. I need care and finances all of a sudden, what do we do now, right? And so there are some amazing programs out there that we would just pull on, right? In the, especially in the local Chicago area, like we had um, Rush University's What Without Warning support group for young art onset. And it was amazing because they had a space for younger, um, for this population in the early, middle and late, they had a space for the, um, the adult children, Right? They had some art, no matter what stage you are at. Um, Northwestern had some one-off activities and some uh, other organizations on the North side uh, with theater and art and music. And the Alzheimer's Association has a few early onset groups too. But these are often also one-off things that either happen monthly or once a week, memory cafes as well. These are wonderful, we need them. And at the same time, families kept coming back to me over and over again saying, Tessa, where is the place I can go for more than just an hour or two? Where are, and, and speaking to Diana's concern, when they did find the state subsidized or um, low, uh, accessible adult day centers, the, the, the age was off, right? We arrive and we just don't feel like we belong. And I think that's the key word here is belonging, not only for the youth, but also for the partner and for the patient who's experiencing this. Um, and so we just needed to find a place where they fit and fit and needed support. And, and when, when um, I met Diana uh, and she can chime in here a little bit, you want, yeah, go ahead. Yes, I think, you know, I just think it's important for folks to understand too what Tessa means in all of this. The minute literally that Lorenzo and I were diagnosed, because I do think it's a diagnosis of the family. We sat in a room and in shock and who walks in but Tessa? And she has since been our angel. Our family sort of therapist and social worker worked with Lucas, worked with Justin, worked with our family. And with Dr. Mastriani, he had a care team, you know, that was really kind of paying attention when you couldn't, you can't pay attention. You can't believe what just hit you. You, you, it took me a year, over a year to accept this. It took my kids with me on a journey of, no, we're gonna be the first family that figures this out. Like I, we were, that is where my head was. I was in that deep of denial, or I was in that deep of like understanding of where I needed to be at that time. Tessa's role in that, unbelievable. And 
Dr. Mastriani has a um, model that must be replicated. And so when I thought about this, I thought, Tessa, what do you think? Does this make sense? And again, I'm not an expert, a practitioner in this space. I'm a mom and I'm a wife. And she said, Diana, we need it. You know, we need it. Let's do this. I'm in, like I'm in. Dr. Mastriani and I are in. So Dr. Mastriani is on my Insta board and Tessa, of course, is like a call away. So I needed to brag about that because Tessa is literally, we need Tessa's everywhere for people like me. She's just our angel. And so in part, I said to her today, I used to be glad that I fell in love with you, Tessa, because I'm not letting you go. How's that working for you? <laughs> well, I think that team approach is so critical and we're seeing more more teams in the offices um, pop up, but still not near as many as we need. You know, we and and we need we need that friendly, compassionate voice that understands and can anticipate what the questions are when you just can't even ask them. Yep. You know, because one of the things that I I know on on my journey with my own mom, you know, who lived with her for thirty years, you don't know what you don't know, so you don't even know what questions to ask or what resources to ask for. You just know, hey, it it's not feeling right right now, and things are really off balance and. How do we get realigned? How do we live graciously alongside this disease and support our loved one and still maintain our own health and balance, you know, in, in that fashion? One of the things that I do like is um, with one of your rays, you know, with your adult day, you're not calling it that, you're calling it the memory academy. An adult day is not something any adult wants to go to, you know, it, it just... Uh, everyone feels like, you know, I'm, I'm not a preschooler. Yeah. And that's what they feel like. So I love that you've just changed the verbiage in terms of what the expectation is and that you talked about not only is it engaging, but it's about learning. You know, it, it's all of the things that adults want, yeah. you know, in their life. And, um, and so I think that that in itself is, is brilliant. Um, Tessa, I'll go back because maybe there was more that you wanted to wanted to add about the the needs you're seeing for something like this. Yeah, I mean, when we even start to think about not only the patient, uh, the person who experiences the condition, and the care partner, we are also looking at the youth, right? We're looking at the the children and the young adults that. Diana was mentioning and um, weaving me into that was, yes, I was a phone call away when she was like, wait, we're looking for someone to talk to these, to, to my, to my kids. But we, we wanted that angle that understood memory care. Right. And so if we can have a space where people understand memory care with the children and with the families in a place like Lorenzo's house, that's huge because um, then it can be tailored. Then you feel like you belong, right? And therefore, you know, one of the things that um, that we would go through in our sessions are what are some communication strategies? How can we connect more deeply with dad, right? At home and in social settings, in around family and in front of your friends. This is a very big deal when we're young. And what do we do about safety planning? What do we do when we're um, missing some items in our home and where did we put, where did it go, right? What are some tools and devices out there that we can make life just a little bit easier for everybody, right? And so I think when we think about this opportunity for the whole family, 
including the youth. It's so rare and so needed. Um, they just need a place to belong, to adjust to what's going on and feel like they're not alone and to balance that role between being a kid and a caregiver. Because something that Diana talks about a lot is not only are they dealing with the um, idea of their one of their parents who are experiencing the, the condition, but they're also constantly checking on the other one, making sure they're okay. So they're having many roles all at once. And while also grappling with this thought, dang, I wanted my parent to walk me down the aisle. I wanted them to be here for this and that and graduation and all of these life milestones that suddenly they're realizing may not happen in their lifetime. And so they need the company of others who will walk that journey with them. I think it's brilliant. I think our society as a whole, you know, families have kind of, they've almost gotten gutted in terms of understanding one another or working as a team. And as sad as dementia is, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, I think it's a great opportunity to, to build that sense of community and family back up. Instead of everybody, you know, eating dinner at different times and doing all the, the crazy fast paced stuff, it forces us to slow down and really take notice of what truly is important. It, it makes us, um, forces us to really look at our feelings and knowing that we have to process those or it's going to cause problems for us later on and not being ashamed by that. I, I just think there's so many beautiful things in this. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say was um, whenever, well, one thing I was coaching them on is whenever a curveball moment happens, an unexpected, uncomfortable curveball moment, which we know is rife in the um, Alzheimer's world, you know, and we, that's why we say the technique of yes and the first rule of improv is one of the communication techniques is because, you know, when, when that happens, I was telling, I was coaching the youth on, hey, whenever dad says something that kind of throws you off, just think dad just wants to connect. He just wants to connect. And instantly I'm hoping that just melts the heart just a little bit enough to have the patience to come around with love and dignity in that moment. Well, I think that's beautiful. Even when sometimes they can shadow you know, and they're right on your heels all the time. Uh, one of the things that I teach is, and again, I think so much of it is shifting the mindset to a heart set, is getting people to understand, you know, what made you feel comfortable? Typically, we, you know, if you go back to your, your youth when you were a little kid and everybody had a stuffed animal or a blankie and, you know, we couldn't go to sleep without it. We just needed it there because it gave us such great comfort. And to to switch and think instead of going, oh, I just need my space, but to realize how lucky am I to be able to give that kind of comfort to somebody that they just need to be in my presence because they need, they're feeling so out of sync mm -hmm. and, and I can ground them. I can give them that comfort. It, you know, to me, it, it just changes everything in terms of how I look at some of those moments that, you know, to a lot of people will drive them crazy. Um, but trying to find that that lesson within all of that and realizing, you know, the brilliance of our relationships and the needs that we all have. And, you know, that it is okay just to sit by somebody silently. Looking back, you know, um, at that time is probably going to be one of your favorite times because you too felt safe. You too felt comfortable. And, 
You know, it's not a, it's not a world where you have to always fill the gaps. And one of my favorite sayings was by um, Harry Urban, who's living with dementia. He's been living with it for like over 15 years now, but he, he said, and I, and I thought this was a really good lesson for all of us. You know, I didn't like to be busy all the time before dementia. And I don't now, I still like to rest. I still like to, you know, feel the breeze on my face and the sun and smell the flowers and hear the birds tweet. And I'm perfectly content. Please be content with me. And I just, to me, so powerful. Go ahead. I just kind of wanted to do the ahs and the ahs with you. That's beautiful. Um, I also think it's an interesting segue to what we want this camp to be for our kids when you talk about each of the three modules the ideas that our kids are going to walk away with a different strategy from this art project that they're going to do with our yale artists at the university of yale's art gallery and then rush university without warning and you chicago tessa and and susan frick who's amazing they're going to put together this session on herd and they're going to start it through this metaphor of being stagehands I can't talk about this without getting emotional about it, but that there was a young person who, when asked uh, to provide a metaphor of what it felt like to be a caregiver to their father, they said, it feels like I'm a stagehand for the center stage, that I'm getting the water and I'm turning off the stove and I'm making sure that the door is locked. I'm thinking about what Lucas does before we go to bed at night. It's like, do you have the dials? Did you get the door? Can we have the, you know, it's, it's, it's this constant. And then in that stage hand, they're going to share pieces of their story. And then the, and there, there's going to be strategies for each. And then the last session, while there's raffles and cool stuff, and then not like this isn't cool, but you know, kids, it's going to be kid friendly. And then the last piece is all about how do we bring improv and laughter into our world? And this is tricky with kids because I know as a caregiver, it, it, I had to give myself permission to laugh. It took me a long time to be able to laugh. And then I don't know if you have permission to laugh with me yet, right? It's really what our heads go through are amazing. And then when I learned that maybe I can laugh at this or that, my Lucas or my Justin wasn't ready to laugh because it's different for them. I can't understand, well, I never understand what it's like to lose your father so slowly every single day and have to feel those awful emotions of embarrassed or um, shamed when daddy can't help it. Papa can't help that. But it's like, mom, I don't want to feel those things. I love him. So as our kids are navigating this, they are trying to be how can you laugh at that? Like, anyway, it, it's going to take kids have a different experience with this. But kids in this camp will be able to kind of explore humor as a strategy to do some improv with their parent. And so the hope is that not only leaving kind of connected and united and inspired, but also informed with some with a little toolkit that now, and Lucas also said, I wonder how others are coping. I'm like, right, don't you? I want to know how other moms and are, are coping, you know, and, and if, if I have access, then our kids should have access to, right? Our kids should have access as well. And then build this alliance that can kick them into 
maybe being youth caregivers and having the care angel also build itself into youth caregiver angels, right? So there's so much we can do, but I wanted to build that in there because I think it's important to see what our kids are gonna be getting on this day that's really special. And then what's also cool for them is that they have like a celebrity guest appearance by Seth and Lauren Rogan, Miller Rogan, who are such good human beings who are so thoughtful in this space. And of course, Lauren's um, mother died of younger onset and they have made this their mission. Really just a smart group. I, I can't say enough about Alex and the team who've been helping us. They're just really cool partners everywhere. I mean, Lorenzo's Youth Camp is going to be so beautiful and so special for our kids because the adults are facilitators trying to take backstage, but really smart and kind. And what my role has been is to bring people together. And what my role has been is to reiterate and reiterate, guys, our audience is so niche. It is youth with a parent with Alzheimer's, younger onset. It's not a... It's not anyone connected to this. Everyone has a relationship with us, but it's a youth who is caregiving for their mom or their dad. And that is the lens by which we approach art, by which we approach the stage hands heard piece and by which we approach our humor comedy piece. And um, and it's been, I mean, it's been months of really putting together this eight hours. It's, I'm so touched by how serious and diligent and rigorous everyone has been in making this quality. I, I, I can't say enough. Yeah. And, and it's and what we can imagine it looks like. It's like, it's a very, what Diana is saying, it's a very professionally curated event on this one day, June 21st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., right? And divided in these three sections, the herd, united, and inspired. Um, and united is the one that's kicking us off with some art making with Yale University. And the herd piece is with Chicago Memory Center and Rush without warning between myself and Susan um, and that stagehand activity. And then the inspired with Hilarity for Charities, um, you know, Lauren and Seth guest appearance and laughter on call and all of that. But what's so important here is because we know how tender and how vulnerable this experience is, just like you were saying, permission to laugh how do I even want to be part of something like this? It's too scary, right? What we want to set the tone for and what we're so grateful for this opportunity to share on this show first in advance is to say, hey, just by being here is action in itself. You can participate as little or as much as you want. You can just sit and listen. You do not have to speak. You can share your story if you want to. You can learn from another. And then if you want to stay in touch after, absolutely, we're going to have and ask permission if they can just exchange information for whoever they want to moving forward. And maybe this turns into something, right? There is an opportunity to um, talk about advocacy and giving back in ways if they want to, right? And really we are leading the charge. The rest of the facilitators will literally take a back seat. We won't even be on the video. We will let the students and the youth just um, be there together and, and really relate to one another in a deep way. But mostly we wanted to set the tone that, hey, we know this is scary and so it's okay. You can just be here because just being here means you're in company and you feel you're, you're being held and supported along the way. Yeah, I have, I have two comments. One is on the art. Um, in fact, I just did an interview today with people with dementia and doing art 
And so even expanding to them going, you know, maybe that's something you do with, with your parents. Um, and it was amazing the variety of mediums and the skill set was like killer. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I can't, I can't wait to edit this video and get it out. And, and people, you know, we talked about, you know, how it reduces their stress, how it increases them feeling productive, how it gives them this, this calmness well after they're done doing the art um, and makes them present and just kind of focused in that moment. And then when it comes to the laughter, I think one of the best things that we can tell our kids and I, and I think we learn this as adults, but if we can start teaching our kids this earlier, is laughter is one of the the best memories you will have with any of your friends. I mean, that it, it's laughter. I mean, when, when your friend does something silly, you're not laughing at them, you're laughing with them because they're going, oh my gosh, can you believe I just did that? You know, those types of things. But there's a difference of laughing and making fun at somebody. And there's a difference of saying, this is going to just be with me the rest of my life and it's going to put a smile on my face and it's okay because that's a tender moment that nobody else got to experience and for me i remember sharing stories with my own parents and granted i'm an i'm an adult or not with my parents but with my brothers and one of the comments that they said to me was where'd you get all these stories and all the stories they come with a lesson you know, all these little pieces of humor, there are things that will ground you and guide you to care better in that moment. And what we realized is they stayed away and they didn't have any of those stories. And they were really jealous that they didn't have them. So if you're present, it's okay to have those stories. That's part of your legacy. That's part of being able to share and teach others that it's not so heavy. And granted, it's it's this is a heavy disease, but it it's up to you how much weight you want it to bear. And they have control over that. And when they understand that the stories don't have to be accurate, when they're able to let that go, I think that's when the humor can be embraced, when they stop trying to control it. And they just really get to this level of acceptance and it's a level we all want. We don't want to be judged. We just, I mean, and we're all going to make mistakes and we're never going to stop that. That's just part of life. But when we realize it doesn't have to weigh that heavy on any of us and a person with dementia is no different. Um, and, and what everybody wants is to feel connected and loved. And laughter is part of that, you know, laughter even in scary situations, laughter can calm things down so you can move through it. And, and that, I mean, if, if kids can learn that concept at an earlier age, I think life will just be easier because I, I, as I've told Diana, I believe everything that's good for dementia is good for your whole life. There isn't anything that you do for dementia that is in conflict with your greater life. It just makes us more respectful, more thoughtful, um, more conscious of, of how we care. Um, Tessa, I want to ask you as a practitioner in memory care, what, what is your greatest hope uh, for Lorenzo's house? I mean, I can see you've bought in, you've jumped in the pool, <laughs> and, and you're there. 
it, it really boils down to such a simple phrase, right? Like, I just want, I would love for there to be a place to go uh, for every part of this family system and to feel belonging and to find purpose. And so it includes, usually it's saying, okay, let's, this is someplace for caregiver support or some, and that it, it, it ends there. But no, 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 let's bring it to the person who is holding the condition where we keep them learning, keep them growing like Diana is saying. So they have purpose and meaning and then the space for the care partner to get rest and then a place for the young people to feel like they're not alone. So exactly, it's just a place to go, a place to go and um, for as long as they need while so that the family can continue to sustain themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in every way. Yeah. And I, I guess I would, I would state that not just a place to go, but a place to belong. To me, I think that feeling that sense of community and that you are understood, you are heard, and um, you can get inspired and you learn that you can now inspire others through your storytelling too, I, I think is a really, really beautiful thing. I know you had mentioned a few, but if you wouldn't mind doing it um, again, uh, some of the local and national resources that are out there for kids, because I, I think a lot of people don't know about these. And I know there's not a, a ton of them in comparison to the need, because this isn't something that is readily talked about yet. I know, yeah. So they're really far and few between. So I think by tapping into some of the broader younger onset services, you can always ask them if they have services for youth. But I definitely know that Susan Frick's Without Warning at Rush University program, it's a monthly support group that is virtual now for the pandemic, but they often meet in person uh, pre-pandemic. And the, there is a group there that's available for the, the young adults or uh, young people of those who are having um, Alzheimer's. And then there are the Alzheimer's Association early onset support groups. It's, it would be helpful to find out from them if they have anything for the younger people. Um, and then there's also a youth movement against Alzheimer's, which we will meet at the camp too. So there's a movement there where bringing together young people who are interested in advocacy in this issue. And then, um, you know, Laughter on Call and Hilarity for Charity, our sponsors for the camp, our, our supportive partners, there are a lot of young people involved there. So I think there's a lot of room there. And then I know these are broader organizations, but there's always room to, to inquire and to create things because this is such a niche need. Um, you know, Dementia Friends USA and Dementia Friendly America, these are the national portals for uh, dementia care support. And I think it's uh, important to tap into those and see where there's room for, um, um, you know, getting help in the, in, for this population. I agree with all of those. Uh, one of the things that you might consider too, and, and this has always been kind of uh, spooky for parents, but to create, and I know the kids don't really like Facebook anymore, but um creating a group that has a, you know has a moderator with it where they can connect because adults have found such great comfort in being able to communicate with people you know around the world you know if they're if they're worried about something at any time of the day or night you know adults get online and just boom 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 and kids are on their phones if we like it or not at all different hours um, but it would be nice to have a safe 
group for them to be able to participate in. The other thing that you might consider, and maybe you're already already thinking along these lines, but maybe even just giving them an outline, maybe not too detailed of a criteria that might be overwhelming, but something that they could bring to their school and say, you know, we would like to have a group. There's a group for everything else. Can we develop one within our school here? Youth Movement Against Alzheimer's out of LA has chapters across the country. So there's literally a model to build out a chapter in your school, in your community, which is really cool. And something to know, like totally segue or totally, you know, aligning to what you're saying here, Lori. I'm thinking that that's just college though, but I might be mistaken. No, it's no. not. Okay. High school, high school. Actually here in Chicago, it's interesting. I didn't know, but a couple of my girlfriends where I, we raised our kids together in Andersonville, he mailed me saying, Hey, you know, Charlotte is doing something at Peyton high school and there's an Alzheimer's group for here or there. It's I'm astounded, right? We don't think it's a young person's problem or concern, or do we just don't, right? We just think it's an old person's, I mean, there's the stigma that it's an old person's disease and that everybody's somehow going to get it. It's all these stigmas and myths about it. But when you see young people who are starting to care about it, um, Lucas found it fascinating when he learned about youth movement against Alzheimer's. He couldn't believe that, that young people were connecting in high schools and at universities in this space. He was, his jaw dropped, right? He thought he was alone in his space and that young people weren't going there. Yeah, it'd be nice if it was in, um, and maybe it is in middle schools too, because I think there's still a lot of people affected by that. And I think the, the sooner we can get to people, the better right. with that. Um, Tessa, you had a comment? Yes, and speaking of middle school, high school, and even in, along the continuum, I know that Hilarity for Charity just completed an evidence-based um, program that they got published and researched for um, its effectiveness where they are educating college students in this field of Alzheimer's and memory loss. And I think the more they, though their mission is to really get more and more people aware across generations. And that's another opportunity to get involved. That's great. Diana, I wanted to ask you too, what is your greatest hope for Lorenzo's house? The greatest, that's a big word. The greatest hope is that we can build out a Lorenzo's house that's built by um, founding families and founding experts and build out a really, really smart model. And then we can have Lorenzo's houses everywhere until a cure is found. And so when I think about building one out here in Chicago, where I've been for 30 plus years here in the North side or in Evanston, where we live, I would love to see a sister or brother house on the South or West side, because there is as much, if not more than a need in our communities everywhere. And the resources are slim and it's about access and equity. And that is when I think about a Lorenzo's house here in Evanston and then one in Auburn Gresham or in Bronzeville or in Englewood, that is my, that is a deep dream. And then, you know, kind of like what a Gilda's Club is to cancer, right? It's this, it's created by the people, it's supported by the people. Um, we don't have that in, all, in the all space. And the idea is how can we have our blue doors everywhere where you walk in and you feel like you belong and you feel like all of a sudden we peel back, like we're not so isolated. 
and that somehow somebody gets my pain that is so deep that I don't even get it. And I can barely breathe today, but will you hold me up? And like, we can figure this out and we, we got each other. That would be pretty powerful. Yeah. Cause it really is about um, being heard, not being fixed because there isn't a cure. And there's a, there's a huge difference between that. And I think if we can teach our kids and, and adults alike, you know, once you let go of fixing, you can get back to living life and, and really having a pretty decent life, even though, you know, this is a, this is a disaster, not anything that you, you would like to have happen to you, but you know, you've got to, everybody has a choice. Is it going to be a disaster or a gift? And what do you want to look for? Cause you're only going to find what you're looking for, you know, in, in all of that, where do you see Lorenzo's house in five years? Right. Well, first of all, I love what you just said. You're so right. I'm like, I just want to echo that. Yeah. I just, it's just, you're absolutely right on. And it's like, there's not a cure, right? Somehow it's, I can actually say that now, you know, it took me a long time to say that, but maybe we can, you know, what does it look like to be whole on the other end of the journey, right? What does hope look like now, right? Hope can look different. Maybe that somehow we, we strengthen ourselves, right? And that, and to your point, like, how do you, what mindset do you want to approach this? I can only approach this every single day, light my candle in the morning and take my sip of coffee and say, okay, I'm going to chase joy. I'm going to try to figure out what's good. I'm going to try to see the good. I'm going to try to bring some light because in a minute, my light's going to be blown out and there won't be a lot of good around me, but guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to try to find it. If I have that mindset, then I have more of a chance of getting there. Right. So you're, I'm just really honored that you said that. Um, so thank you. Um, Lori, uh, five years, five years that I'm on the Lori LeBay show. And, um, and then I'm saying that we have an infographic that says we have 1500 families that are united and empowered. And we have over a thousand caregivers and mentors that are connected. And we have over 60 or so adult, you know, mentors at our academy um, that we have three therapy dogs that we have, um, you know, 1200 healing series and respite series experiences, whether virtual or in person, or, you know, we have 150 care youth caregivers that are connected now and an alliance is being built across the globe, right? And um, maybe we have thousands of hours of community um, volunteers supporting us and, um, and that we have really meaningful, thoughtful partnerships and new friends um, who have jumped on board to say, let's be founding members and whatever that looks like of Lorenzo's house to build out something that's really special um, and fill a gap and be a solution in this space until a cure. Um, one comment I wanted to add on when you were, you know, just having your tea and stuff in the morning was again, if we can instill not only in our adults, but in our youth to forgive ourselves when we're not when we're not perfect, when we're not the ideal care partner, um, because we're never ever gonna be that perfect thing. And we have to really let that go and realize that we always have another moment to do better. Yeah. And every time that we fail, and I hate that word, but that we don't meet our own expectations, yeah, that's an opportunity to learn to do better in another moment. That's um, beautiful. But that's I think, beautiful. That's but beautiful. I think 
one of the worst things that we do is we automatically go to beat ourselves up and that's not good for us and it's not it's not good for our loved one or our family um, or anyone around us you know uh, we have to kind of kick that inner critic to the curb and learn how to control that to be the be the best we can in closing i wanted to ask you diana what do you need to build Lorenzo's house? How can our audience help you? Mm, well, today we need campers. We, we're open to having a few more campers, so spread the word. And when I think about what we need to build Lorenzo's house, we need um, fierce founding families who want to build with us and get connected to us. So Anybody who's spreading the word is so important right now, not just locally, but now nationally, because in this new COVID life that we are leading, we are connected in new ways. Um, we have one of my board members is the former um, executive director of Alzheimer's Disease International for 15 years. And actually, Lori, he connected the two of us, right? Yeah, Mark, who's nothing but love and connected me to you. That's great. And Mark has, you know, he's sharing this broadly, like, so share it far and wide. Whether you are a founding volunteer, we have people already signing up to volunteer. And again, we're five months old. I, I don't know what there is to do right now. We have a camp to put on, but we're getting there, right? We're looking for folks to join our IMSA board, Innovation Science and um, Medical and Science Board. Um, and then we are looking always, and this is because we are a non-for-profit, in the next couple months here, we're going to be in a position where we have built out our case for support. We've built some smart um, we put some smart things in place and we um, are going to go out and, and, and seek individuals who want to contribute because there is such a need here and joining this vision is something that so many have shown they'd be really interested in becoming a part of and helping us to build out that seed funding to build out this model and build a strong Lorenzo's house. So the idea of Lorenzo's house is not that it's going to be fully philanthropic, but that it will be a bit fee for service, some partnerships and some philanthropy. And I think that's really smart to build up some sort of a financial model that looks sort of that it's, that it's built and in, 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 in has like sort of three legs that way. Um, but those are the things we need. Founding families, founding volunteers, founding IMSA members, founding donors, founding partners, people who want to join us. And I'll say that we're looking for folks who are in it for all the right reasons, right? Humble and willing to work really hard and people who have just uh, big hearts and are experts in this space. And um, I just really want to deliver on quality and everything that we do at Lorenzo's house for anyone who's touched. So those are, those are some of the things I think we need. I guess I could go on, but. <laughs> okay. Tessa, do you want to tell us um, just how people register? What age are these kids? And is it is it free or is there a fee? Um, deadlines, all of those types of things. Yeah, no, we're so excited. This is completely free of charge. This will be a very intimate group. So we cast the net really wide and globally. This shows you how niche it is where we're really keeping it tiny, um, but we are opening uh, enrollment right now. And we have uh, the website is lorenzoshouse.org. We have an info session coming up on June 7th at 6 p.m. Central by Zoom. So you can sign up on the website. Anyone who's on the fence and just not sure what to expect, 
completely invite a one-on-one -on -one with Diana. The parent can completely talk to Diana. She will really give the lay of the land. And as you know, we are welcoming um, anyone to participate as little as much as they want. The applications are due June 9th. So that's coming up again too. Uh, applications are on the website. The date of the event is Monday, June 21st, and it's so symbolic because the Alzheimer's community says, celebrates June 21st is summer solstice, it's the longest day, but Lorenzo's house um, reframes it to say, we're going to make it the brightest day. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that because I've, I've personally, I have not liked the longest day because it's just... <laughs> You know, to me, it's about giving hope. Yeah, um, to and people. Exactly. And, and Diana mentioned light so often in this talk, right? She mentioned the light going on or off, and we want to make it the brightest day. And therefore, the summer solstice is the time of the year that is the darkest before the dawn, right? So we are going to activate that. And um, it will be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central. And there's going to be built in breaks and space for lunch. So it will be one day uh, all together. The final thing I'll say too, is that this is, um, Lori, this is such a unique camp in that I have had parents who were just not interested at all until I was able to have a conversation with them because I get it. We're not sending our kids to um, a swim camp or a rock climbing camp. We're sending our kids to such a personal camp and that, um, like Tess had said before, you, your child can participate, your child can lay low, your child can listen, but your child will leave knowing they're not alone, if nothing else. Once you enroll, you will receive a yeah. little thing special in the mail to, to um, really highlight your day. You'll get a t-shirt, you'll get some bells yeah. and whistles, and um, there's raffles, and there's um, all the art material. So you will get a, a gift box sent to your home to experience the day together. Yeah, AirPods. We're gonna raffle off AirPods and all things that kids like. And we're gonna have some music. Very cool. So again, people can go to lorenzoshouse.org um, or they can email you directly, Diana, at diana at lorenzoshouse.org. I would like to just throw in if afterwards, if the kids would be interested in doing a radio show on their experience, with Lorenzo's camp, I would love to have them on and talk about, you know, what they like. Sometimes they have ideas of other things that they would like incorporated and all of that stuff is just kind of a, a fun, safe way, again, to raise their voice and be heard. Absolutely. And one thing we didn't mention was we, we will have a special guest from, I believe, Australia who will be an adult speaking about his experience as a young person who went through the journey too. So not only will they be amongst peers, they will learn from someone who has been through the journey as well. Oh, fantastic. He's going to well, join at like two in the morning. And Andrew actually spoke at Alzheimer's Disease International event like five years ago. And I guess you could have heard a pin drop. And he's just so good. He's going to be so good for the kids. He's been talking to Lucas. He's really special. And he just is real. And his he talks authentically about his journey. And I mean, it's going to be a beautiful day, it's going to be a, a heartfelt day. And it's new, though, to your point, it's new. You know, my you have great hopes. And then always, we want to know the very next day, what can we do to get better? We want feedback, you only get better by feedback and input and absolutely. So your offer 
I just got a little text that said, or an email that said, Lorenzo's house, thank you so much. I'm a mom seeking to find a community with which my children can find some identification. And I found this. I am so grateful. I am so grateful. I am so grateful you're all. This is a mom, right? How does it, you know, it's, it's not swimming lessons. Thank you for being you, Lori. You shine the light on so much important and meaningful information. And since the day I met you, you are nothing but authentic. And I had a kindred connection immediately. And I'm just grateful that we are walking um, this this space together. I'm, I'm really lucky to have you in my life. And thank you for, for connecting us today on the show. It's so fun to see other authentic people in this space wanting to wanting to make it better and um I, you know none of us know it all and so connecting and team building and uniting and listening and, and being heard inspiring all of that stuff is just critical that's how we that's how we make a difference is together go ahead tessa and just to clarify for everyone this is a virtual event spread the word and we want as many families to know about this as possible. Well, to our audience, I hope you like, click, and share this and spread the word. Um, mm-hmm. If you can't make it this year, maybe next year. These two ladies are not going away. <laughs> I, can, I can guarantee that one. So have a blessed week, everybody, and we will talk soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.